I'm able to be here this morning. They've asked me down here to preach, and that's one of the things that I like to do better than anything else is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just happy to get to come here to do that. Glad to see every one of you here today. And mostly I see happy faces, one or two old grouches out there, but not too many. So we, but you, we're glad you're here too. Uh, I got a little a lesson today. Throw that little outfit on the board, if you will. You can tell I had a professional draw this. That's me. I'm the professional. <laughs> anyway, it's a kind of a little uh, lesson on geography. I want to talk about a famous river, and it's also one of the most strange rivers you've ever heard about. You know, there's lots of famous rivers in the world. Down in uh, South America, we got the Great Amazon. It uh, drains all of North and Central South America and runs off into the Atlantic Ocean. And, and where it runs into the Atlantic Ocean, they tell me it's between 10 and 15 miles wide, the mouth of that thing is. Humongous river. And then you've heard of the great Ganges Holy River in India where they bathe and so on and so forth. They say it's pretty badly polluted especially around the bigger cities. Then the Nile in Africa, Thames in England, Volga in Russia, and here in our own country, the mighty Mississippi that runs down from nearly from Canada all the way down, picks up a lot of great rivers into it and then empties out into the Gulf of Mexico down here below New Orleans. It's a big, mighty river. We sing songs about it. But our river today, its fame is not due to any size or length or any rich commerce that goes up and down it or any great cities that's located on its banks, as is true so many of rivers. You take our Mississippi, it got... Ships and barges going up and down it all the time. Big cities built on its banks nearly all the way up to Canada. So on and so forth. But this river doesn't. In fact, it's not large at all. And we're talking about, of course, I want you to notice this right here. Huh. You didn't think I was up to date, did you? <laughs> See? I didn't, I had forgot I had one of those. I was looking for a pair of pliers the other day in my kitchen drawers. I got anything in that kitchen drawers if you can find them. But I was looking for a pair of pliers and I run across that. I said, I'm going to take that down there. Boy, that'll, that'll, they'll feel so happy. They got a modern preacher coming down there and preach to it. But anyway, uh, this River Jordan doesn't have any cities on its banks. It has a few little villages fairly close to it. I tell you what it's like if if you think of the Sabine River when it's down low, sandbars, you nearly wade across in some places when it's really low, a small little river, and you know there's no there's no cities on Sabine River to get down here about Orange, 
If they build one like Maryville, they got to build four or five miles from it because Sabine River gets out in the, the high season that overflows its banks and so on and so forth. That's sort of the way the Jordan River is. Uh, sometimes when it's real low in the summertime, you can nearly wade across in some spots. You can't really, ships don't go up and down it, even barges, because it's, it's not deep enough, and so on and so forth. So that's not the reason that it's famous. There are three reasons why the River Jordan is so famous, and everybody knows or have heard about the River Jordan. First is its unusual physical characteristics. Now, this is the Mediterranean Sea over here. This is about where Israel is located now, over there. We know modern Israel up right around that way. And uh, it starts right up there at Mount Nebo. Springs and a few little uh, spring-fed creeks run into it, and it starts right up there. It runs a couple of three miles into a small little lake. I don't even know the name of that lake. I couldn't find it handily. And then it runs about 10 more miles right there into the Sea of Galilee. See right there? There's Capernaum right there. And that's... Uh, I can't read it. Let me look on my map here. I got one right here. Nazareth. Yeah, I thought that was Nazareth. Now, it's interesting. This, when it starts up here, it starts up in there at the foot of a mountain. And it runs into that little sea right there. And that little first little sea is exactly at sea level. That means it's the same height as the Mediterranean Sea right over here, sea level. All right, then it runs on down 10 miles and runs into the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is 610 feet below sea level. You know, though, that's... Think of any other river like this one here is going to start out. Practically its whole length is below sea level. If uh, they had a crack in the earth's surface from here to there, boop, Nazareth would be 600 foot deep underwater. All the Mediterranean drain over into the Sea of Galilee. And uh, in fact, this whole river we're talking about here, from there down to here, is just 120 miles long. That's all. That ain't no river. That ain't no hill for a stepper at all. That's a small creek, like Beckwith Creek up through here. And yet it's, it's very, very famous. Now, from the Sea of Galilee, it runs about 65 miles 
down into the Dead Sea. Now, when you get to the Dead Sea, it is 1,300 feet below sea level. If it cracked right here, the water would be 1,300 feet and would cover everything like this. If they had a little earthquake and made a crack across there. A whole river system for all practical purposes from right about here, that's the sea level. Every bit of it is below sea level. Don't you know all rivers run to the sea? Listen, don't. When it gets down here, it stops. Bloop. Good clean water, lots of fish. A lot of the apostles were fishermen, you remember? Down here, nothing. No way to get it out. All the minerals collect salts. They say you can't hardly drown in the Dead Sea. You can't hardly get underwater to get yourself drowned. And no fish, dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. No. Where is it going to go if it ran out? There's no place any further down. This is the lowest body of water in the world. As far as elevation is concerned. So it's a very unique and a strange river, and that's one reason that it's famous. But it's also famous for its biblical and historical, all of the events that happens. You look right here, we see Jericho, and everybody remembers about Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. But let me tell you about Jericho. One time, Israel, after they had wandered 40 years in the wilderness right here, and the whole generation of people had died off because of their sinfulness, God led them up right here, and they camped right there. They camped right on the other side. God told them, now you wait here. I'm going to work some things out for you. They camped there in the plains of Moab after all of that 40-year wandering. And God told their leader, who was still Moses now, Moses was getting up in years. He says, Moses, I want you, you read about this in Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter. He said, I want you to go up into Mount Nebo. And when you get there, you find Pisgah's rocky heights, and you climb to the very top of Pisgah, which is a peak of Mount Nebo. And so when he got up there, he said, Now, I want you to look across at the promised land. Here's the promised land over here. And Moses is sitting right there on the mountain, about right there. He said, You look across. And Moses, the Bible tells us as Moses was still strong and good and his eyesight was good. And the Bible tells us, you read about it in the 34th chapter of Jeremiah, he looked over there and he saw all the land all the way to the sea. 
all the way to the matter of the, the cattle of a thousand hills. What a sweet, wonderful, glorious land that God has been leading them to all the land. The land of Canaan. See, Canaan represents our heaven. That's where we're going, towards Canaan. And it was a wonderful, beautiful sight. And it was a rich land. And Moses just, don't you know, he had been struggling with these people for 40 years, having them led them out of Egypt. He's 120 years old at this time. And he struggled with these people and got them here. And here we are on the brink of it. Just go across the river and we'll be in Canaan. Oh, he wanted to get across that river so bad and go there. But he said, God told him, Moses, you're not going to get to go. You made a little mistake back there a while back. It kind of, God didn't say these words, but what he said was, you kind of irked me a little bit, so I'm not going to let you go across there. But I am letting you take a look at it, how beautiful and wonderful it is. And then one day that sun was sitting there on On Pisgah's rocky height, just Moses and God. God gathered Moses in his arms and died, and Moses died. But he got to see that promised land that he had been leading these people towards all these years. And God took him in his arms and buried him in a place. And no man knows where his sepulcher is unto this day. Amen. Well, the children of Israel were camped on the other side of Jordan. And they camped there and mourned Moses for 30 days. And then God told Joshua, who had taken the place of Moses as the leader of the people, he said, all right, it's time to go across the river into the land of Canaan. And Joshua said, wait, Lord. This is season when the river's high and muddy and dangerous and swift. How in the world are we going to bring three million people with women and children and babies and all of our animals across this river? We can't build enough boats or barges to do it, and it's high. We're going to get drowned. God said, you leave that to me. He said, you get everybody together, lining up. Three million people is a pretty good job. Line them up. At the front, you put all the priests. And I tell you what you do. You just start marching them towards the river. It takes a lot of faith. This great leader Joshua had a lot of faith. He did just as God said and started a marching towards the river. And the river was high and muddy and dangerous. We going all around. Here they're marching. Can you imagine three million people lined up marching towards a river with not a single boat inside or a barge or a, a ferry or nothing? But when the first foot of the first priest touched the water, the waters parted, 
and the people of God crossed over in dry, on dry ground. Biblical events that make this river famous. In this same area, years before, Elijah came up towards the end of his life. And God told him to go across Jordan. And Elijah was somewhere probably about right here. And God told him to go across Jordan. And so Elijah took his mantle threw it down, Jordan parted again. He walked across on dry ground, and when he got over there, God sent a chariot of angels and fire down and picked Elijah up and carried him away to glory. One of the few men in this world that got out of it without dying. In this same place, nearly the same place, we remember when finally Joshua led them across here. They went and marched around the walls of Jericho, you remember? And finally the walls came tumbling down and they conquered the first city as they entered the promised land and began to take the country away from the inhabitants. It was not far from this same place right along up in here that Abraham, when he, long ago, years before, when he came out of the Ur of the Chaldees and came there, he built an altar there. And God told him, just across the river is your promised land that I told it I'd give to you. And he said, you build an altar now and commemorate this occasion. And he made an altar and sacrificed to God right along in there near the river Jordan, right about here, where he made his first altar in the promised land. It was right along here somewhere that one night Jacob laid down and uh, went to sleep. And his head for a stone, and he had a great dream, and he saw a ladder going all the way to heaven. Run not far from this place right here, and not far somewhere right along in here, Naaman, the great uh, Syrian leper, was told to dip in the river Jordan, and he'd be healed of his leprosy. He obeyed God and was healed. All kinds of wonderful biblical events happen. In fact, as you open your book, the Bible, and read, you'll find there are over a hundred verses directly referring to the River Jordan. That's why it's famous. So much of God's dealing with mankind was centered right around in that area right along in through there. But let me tell you about the most important thing I think that ever happened in this little old river, the River Jordan. We read about it in Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to turn over there and, so I can read it. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Now, he came out of Jerusalem. He's from up in here, but he came down. He's living down here, and he's preaching all along and through here. And people would go out from these cities all along here and listen to John preaching. He's preaching in the near Jordan, and he was baptizing people, John was, in the river Jordan, quite uh, many, many of them. 
And he's, he's telling them, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They had been waiting for this a long time. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had a raiment of camel's hair and leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And they went to him uh, from Jerusalem and Judea and all the region round about Jordan, and they were all baptized of Jordan. He was baptizing them there in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And so this was a very important prophet. In fact, Jesus said he's the greatest of all the prophets, John. And he's, he's baptizing thousands of people, them, getting them ready for the coming Messiah. But lo, let me read, turn back and read verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee. Way up here, he come all the way down here to get John to baptize him. Then cometh Jesus unto Jordan to John to be baptized of him. John said, wait. I need to be baptized of you. I, I can't baptize you. You're the son of God. He knew who he was. Why do you come to me? And Jesus answered and said, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh must fulfill all righteousness. And so he suffered him and he was baptized of John. Now listen. This greatest prophet, John. Jesus said, No, I hadn't risen a greater than John the Baptist. He said, I'm just not worthy to baptize you, Jesus. And said, Jesus said, I want you to do it now. And so with a trembling hand, this old prophet led the Son of God down into the muddy waters of, Bab of Jordan River and baptized him. And the Bible said when he came up out of the water, the voice of God was heard. A dove descended upon him. Now listen, the voice of God. Do you know how long it's been since the voice of God has been heard in the world up until this time? How long ago it was? Well, now he spoke through the prophets, yes, all the way to Malachi. And then it's several hundred years before John. That was three or four hundred years, but oh no, that was, that was through the prophet, the voice of a prophet. How long since God spoke? Do you know? The last time God spoke before this was on the Mount Sinai with Moses thousands of years before. And now he's speaking again. God said, Jesus came up out of that water. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Amen. Introducing the world's redeemer. 
by the personal voice of Almighty God. And that was coming up out of the muddy waters of the old Jordan River. The Mosiah was introduced. Many, many wonderful events. Let me tell you about Larry Askew. Larry Askew is a member of the De Quincey Church Christ. A good guy. Some of y'all know, any of y'all know Larry Askew? Well, all right, some of y'all know Larry Askew. Good guy. Had lots of trouble in his life, and he's uh, crippled. He has to use two uh, canes walking, and he gets around. But he's so faithful to the church. Anyway, anyway, <clears throat> a bunch of them was getting uh, up a trip to the uh, Holy Land over there. Larry said he wanted to go. They said, well, it'll be a pretty hard trip. He said, that's all right, I'll make it. So he did. He walked around with his crutches. He made it fine. But he said, he was telling me one day about it. He said, when we got to that Jordan River, now, have they said they told us this was just about where Jesus was baptized, whether it was or not, who knows exactly. We don't know exactly, but no doubt it was somewhat similar to where Jesus was baptized. And he said they was telling that so pretty, and that was such a pretty little river there and everything. We was all on the bank and quiet. Was naturally, we was all touched by it, and this guide was pretty good at laying it on pretty thick. And he said, you know, he just got telling that, and I just got wrapped up in it. And finally he says, does any of y'all want to be rebaptized? And Larry said, I just couldn't help it. He said, I do. And he said, I just went down, and they baptized me again. He said, I, I really wasn't questioning my first baptism, but I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> Bless Larry. Let me tell you, poor Larry. He had uh, five children. Four of his children have died. He's got one girl left. The last one died just two or three weeks ago, burned up in a trailer house, one of his sons. That's just extra. But anyway, he's a good guy. But he just said he couldn't stand it. It was pretty. And I imagine it is good. Lots of historical things, and that's why it's partly why. <clears throat> but the main reason that Jordan is so famous a river is because of what it represents. And surely you know what it represents. It has a very distinct, unique, powerful, symbolic significance for every person particularly for Christians, both past, present, and the future. And it represents our dying. You remember the old song, On Jordan's stormy banks I stand, and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. See, we got to cross the river of death to get to Canaan like the Israelites have to cross Jordan to get to their Canaan. And we have to go across that. Well, a couple of people have made it without crossing Jordan. We talked about one of them, Elijah, and there's one or two others. But all the rest of us, we got to cross Jordan. 
Jordan stood between Israel and their promised land, the land of Canaan, and it stands between us and heaven, and it represents death. And it's something that sometimes we look at, and it's a dark, swollen river, dangerous. It swallows up so many. But we are going to face it. And if God is with us, it'll be a good, safe, dry crossing, and we'll get to the other side in good shape. God's not with us. I know you've got to be dreading that river. Death, none of us interested in dying. Death, we don't even like much to talk about it, to tell you the truth. I'd much rather talk about life. Of course we have. But we are going to face it. If we know that Jesus is holding our hand, it's going to be okay but I don't know how anybody faces the end of life with nothing. I, I do not. I'd be worrying about it all my life. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, talking about this Thing, this crossing I'm talking about when we're crossing Jordan to the other side into eternity. He was talking about how faith helps us get through it. And then he went on to say, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. David said it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's where that river lies. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Old brother, old brother Marshall Keeble wrote a book. He was a famous a black preacher. And the name of it was Roll, Jordan Roll. And among other things, he discusses this very thing that we're talking about when we have to approach our Jordan of life. And it'll be okay. Just as the river of life is okay if you hold in Jesus' hand, and so is the river of death if you're holding Jesus' hands. When I come to the river at the ending of day, the last winds of sorrow have blown. There will be somebody waiting to show me the way. And I won't have to cross Jordan alone. That's an old song and that's a blessed assurance that every Christian has. If you are a Christian, dying will be okay. I'm not anxious to die, but I'm uh, either, I'm not going to let it rule my life, that's for sure. And I believe just as everything in me that I have, that Jesus will be there to help us across that old, dark, swollen, dangerous river to the other side. 
I've run into so many people that I, I talk to. Why aren't you a Christian? Why don't you obey your Savior and act on your faith in Him? Many people have a kind of a vague sense of faith in Christ to some degree. You know, I, I don't run into any rabid infidels or agnostics or atheists very rarely. They've got a little vague sort of a religion. But, you know, you, 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 I think, I tell you what I think. Most people want to be saved like the thief on the cross was. You know, that thief says he was hanging there. And Jesus was over there. And at first they both rail, rail, railed against Jesus. But finally one of them said, wait a minute. You hush. We deserve this. But he didn't. And then he turned to Jesus, this, this poor thief. And I feel sorry for him. And I'm happy for him. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to this thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. And people say, that's the way I want to be saved. I wish it worked that way. But Jesus, when he told his apostles, just before he left to go away, he said, go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. I want you to... Help people get ready for Jordan. You're going to preach them in all the world. What did he tell them to do? He that believeth on his baptized shall be saved. No, no, I want to do it like the thief. At the last minute, just before you die, Lord, help me. Okay, I'm here. It don't work that way. That's the only chance that man ever had. You folks are not like that thief. Don't fool yourself. If you're waiting for, okay, not going to happen. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? One of the most arrogant things in the world is to profess a faith in Jesus Christ and somehow acknowledge in your heart He is Lord and then not follow Him. That is the most that's spitting in somebody's face. If he is Savior, Lord, Son of God, then he deserves our very best, not some casual second best. If we can help you become a Christian in any way, we'll be glad to assist you. If we can pray for you, if you need anything, you come and we will work it out with God's word and the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we hit the waters of that old muddy river, some of us are a little closer than others of you. But that's all right. He'll be there to help us go across. If we can come, won't you come?